welcome to Church Project. If this is the first time here, we're, we kind of like this book, the Bible. And uh, we've been going through Luke since the beginning of January. Right now, we're actually going to wrap up in, in uh, chapter 7. Can you believe that? I mean, we're, we're kind of picking our way through the whole, the whole book of Luke, and we are wrapping up chapter 7 today. So, hey, is anyone in a rush to get through? I mean, it's a, it's a, we're going to keep studying this forever, so we'll keep on going. But hopefully you've been getting some really good stuff out of Luke as we've been digging through this. So we are going to be on Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50 is the passage that we're looking at today. I, by the way, really, really like this passage I don't know if you've been pre-reading and kind of cheating and seeing what's coming up. Hopefully you have been, and hopefully you've been reading what's behind us as well. But one of our biggest things we want to do here is give you a love for this Bible. Uh, we can highlight some incredibly good stuff in here and what God is teaching us and what he's showing me and, and what I'm learning and all that stuff. That's great. We will do that every Sunday, but, but it doesn't even compare to what it would mean when you sit down and you open up the Bible and read it on your own. Ask God to show you and teach you some incredibly good things. And so we're going to wrap up chapter 7 today. Let me just read the story. We're going to start in verse 36. So Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Yes, we're going to read all the way down to 50, but this is a, it's actually going to be a shorter message. Are you okay with that? It's going to be a shorter message today. So let's start. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Now one of the Pharisees, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. Verse 38. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured pure perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him, saw this. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled both uh, debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Verse 43. Simon said, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Verse 47, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, Who is this that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. How many of you have ever seen this happen? I mean, you go to someone's house, they're like, begin to cry on your feet, you know, you know wipe, wipe your feet with their hair. It's not really customary of this time, right? How many, think of this story and what's happened on this story. I mean, it's just, it's just a couple quick little verses, and the story that it tells is so beautiful. 
I want to set this up a little bit. Okay, we start and it says in verse 36, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. As we read the Bible and as we study the Bible and and we begin to look at the Bible, we talk about Pharisees a lot. And Jesus talks about Pharisees a lot. He goes through all of scripture and a lot of times when he talks about Pharisees, it's, it's bad, right? We look at Pharisees, and as I've been studying and, and really kind of thinking about this, they kind of get a bad rap in the Bible. Would you agree? If you've been reading your Bible, the Pharisees, they, they just get a bad rap in the Bible. There, there's two really kind of Jewish people at this time. There's the Pharisees, and there's the Sadducees, right? The Pharisees, they, they um, get a bad rap. The Sadducees, this is what they're known for. They're known for all, of the, the, all the money that they have, the Sadducees. They're known for education. They're known for, in this time period, just kind of keeping the peace between Rome and the Jewish people. And so they, they kind of play to politics a little bit. That's the Sadducees. But the Pharisees, as, as we're looking at the Pharisees, I myself, I would raise my hand and say, if I was in this time period, I would probably be a Pharisee. See, Because the Pharisees, what did they do? They drew a fence around the Torah at this time, the five books that, that they have to study. They draw a fence around this and they say, I am going to study this Torah and I'm going to follow the law. I'm going to cross every T. I'm going to dot every I because I am that good of a person. They, they're very legalistic people. They're going to follow all the Jewish, Jewish rules to a T. And this is the difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, okay? Pharisees. They say, we're going to follow every, every law in the Torah to the T. We're going to dot every I. And so as we begin looking at the Torah and we begin studying the Torah, there's rules that come up, like don't work on the Sabbath, right? Because we hear don't work on the Sabbath. And, and everyone at this time begins to ask the question, well, what does that mean? What is work? How do we define work? They say, I want to go build a shed. So on the Sabbath, am I allowed to go back on the end of my property, walk back to the end of my property and, and kind of make plans to build this shed? Is that considered work, me walking back there? And they go, yeah, that's, that's not work. You can walk back there and look at the shed. But don't make plans. You don't draw up any plans because that would be considered work. And so and they're like, okay. And, and so you begin, to, you begin to ask questions. And they begin to ask questions. What does it mean to actually not work during the Sabbath time? Well, the Pharisees said this. Okay, well, if work is actually walking 100 steps, and then 101 is considered work on the Sabbath, then what we're going to do is we're going to draw a fence around, like, I don't know, step number 75. Say, so why even get close to the edge? And, and I kind of thought, this is kind of funny. They, they said this, that if you don't want to biff, stay away from the cliff. And so they, 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 would, they would get the law and go, okay, here would be considered work, so we're going to make it back to here, and, and we're just going to follow every rule. We're going to be very legalistic. Any of you in this category where you're like, I'm going to follow every rule, I'm going to cross every T, dot every I, I'm going to do everything that God asks of me no matter what. If he asks me to give two things away, I'm going to give four things away. And, and it'll be, I could see myself being a great Pharisee at this time because I'm a proud guy and I want to earn my way to heaven. And so this Pharisee guy right here, he invites Jesus to the house. And I, I think they just kind of, the Pharisees got a kind of a bad rap because their impulse wasn't bad. Like their impulse to follow the Torah, it wasn't bad. But what happened is they began to worship the rules more than the rule maker. They began to worship the rules more than Jesus. 
So Jesus sees this Pharisee, and, and the Pharisee invites him to go have dinner with him. And I wonder if Jesus is like, okay, here's this guy. I mean, he's a good guy. He doesn't break any rules, right? If work is 100 steps, he only walks 75, and he's following the Torah completely. So he's a good guy, but man, he is so legalistic. He has no freedom in his life whatsoever, and he's under the law of the Old Testament, and I've come to give him freedom and to give him life, and I want to introduce him into something a whole lot more meaningful, uh, something that, that he can really enjoy life. I want to blow his mind. So how many of you have ever been to, to Texas, to Houston, to Magnolia? Anybody? Lauren, Norma, all right. Okay, they, they, they have a place, and I never got to go, but I, but, I, but I heard about it, and they called it the Throat Rolls or, some, or something like that. It, it, is that what it was called, the Throat Rolls, or I don't know, it's something. They threw, the they, they threw the rolls. You've been there? Here you go, there's a roll for you, okay? The, I, this is what I think, Jesus, this, I, this is what I think, Mandy, don't, John, David, you want this, buddy? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise it right there. Oh, yeah. This is what I think Jesus did. The Pharisee actually invited him to the house, and Jesus is like, oh, my gosh. I don't know. I can't really. This is kind of my thought, okay? I think Jesus is going there going, oh, another Pharisee. Okay. Great. This is going to be a sick party, like only kosher food, right? Like, oh, man, this is so bland. The dance is going to be like that junior high dance, you know, straight arms. Leave, leave room for the Holy Spirit. Jesus is like, come on. He, I wonder if he's going to this party saying, there's, not, there's probably not even going to be breakdancing going on. Like, this is going to be so boring because this Pharisee is like following the rule, every rule. So I wonder if Jesus is like, I'm going to go in. I'm going to be like, I'm throwing a party, man. We're throwing some rolls. Like, we're loosening this thing up. Who else wants a roll? Nobody? Yeah, eat your roll. There you go. <laughs> it's communion stuff. I wonder if Jesus is going there and he's like, all right, here we go. Let's go to an off-the-hook party. This is going to be great. Shows up to the Pharisee's house. He sits down. And all, all along, he's thinking, Pharisee man, if you only had a relationship with me, this party would be a lot better. Pharisee man, if you knew who was sitting at your dinner table, and you'd loosen up a little bit. Like you would celebrate a little bit. Pharisee man, woman, sorry. If you knew who I was, You'd give me a hug. Like, we, it would be awesome. But Pharisee, man, you invited me to your house, so I'm going to go and eat your bland kosher food, and I'm just going to sit there. But there's going to be a lady that comes up behind me, and she's going to teach us an incredible, incredible lesson. So as we look at this, Jesus goes to the Pharisee's house. He's like, great. Some of us are too busy, honestly, cleaning our house so Jesus can come over. And some of us are, are so busy in our life, following every rule, wearing the best clothes, looking the part, like, because we're going to invite Jesus over to our house, right? And all along, Jesus is like wanting to throw roles in our life. He's wanting to say, I just want to show up and hang out with you. Like, really, this is what it's about. Stop being so legalistic. Stop being so hard on yourself. Experience some freedom. Walk in this relationship that I've given you because it's beautiful. How are you? How, how's your house? If, if we're talking about us individually today, how is your house? Are you at home busy trying to clean up so Jesus can come over? Or are you just so excited that Jesus is coming over?
let's, let's go on. Oh, by the way, can I add this? The Pharisee, he, he knew the law. He knew the law of the Torah. He knew everything about that, but he did not know Jesus. And I can say this with 100% certainty because look at verse 39. 39 says this, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, if this man were a prophet. He didn't say, this man is a prophet. He said, if this man was a prophet. So here we know that that the Pharisee knew the law, but he clearly did not know the person of Jesus Christ. So it's quite possible, honestly, to have the whole Bible memorized and not even have a relationship with Jesus. See, Jesus walks in and he finds this legalistic goody two-shoe who's grown up in church, knew all the rules, down-home cooking kind of guy. And he begins to tell him, it's not about following all the rules. It is about having a relationship with me. There's a truth in scripture of Matthew 7, 21. It says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter in the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. So it's quite possible to have the entire Bible memorized, to follow all the rules and everything in it, to look the part, to be a pastor or a missionary, to be the best Christian in the world, but not have a relationship with Jesus. Are you trying hard to do and say just the right things in your life? Jesus wants to recline at your table. He just wants to say, relax, enjoy, loosen up a little bit. Enjoy this relationship with me. So this is the Pharisee. Can we get down to this woman? Because this woman is the, is the part that when I read this, I'm, I, I just can't understand this lady. The Pharisee, I can kind of get, following everything, looking the part. I kind of get that. I understand that. But we get down to the woman. What happened? The woman shows up. She begins weeping, kissing his feet, pouring perfume on them, drying his feet with her hair. I mean, this lady is emotional, right? This lady is is all there. This lady is not embarrassed about anything at this point. She has come to see Jesus, this prophet, and she can't control herself. Have you ever been so thankful that you were at a loss of words? This lady is so thankful. She's at a loss of words. See, Lauren and I, one of the things that we get to do is uh, we get to raise funds and ask friends and family, whoever, hey, we're going to start a church. Would you mind supporting us and so we can eat, that kind of stuff. And, and occasionally, people are like, yeah, absolutely. They'll write a check. They'll do whatever, you know, give, it, give money towards us and our family and church projects so we can keep being a church and we can keep eating. And, and that's, that's kind of a good thing. But every time that someone sends a check, I get to that spot where I'm just kind of like, I have no words. I can't, I can't describe how I feel that people would believe in church project enough to support us. That people would write checks to us because they believe in what God's doing here. It kind of leaves me just without words. And, and it's not even the dollar amount that's behind that check. It's just the fact that they believe in what God's doing in Greeley, Colorado so much that they write a check. It just leaves me kind of speechless. What do you say? I mean, thank you? Of course, that's great. But how can you express the gratitude that someone believes enough in this place and us and our family that they would write a check? 
leaves me kind of speechless when, when I think of that. But how about this lady? Because she's left speech, speechless for an even, I don't know, it's all like a negative thing. Like her, she's forgiven such a great debt that she's at a loss of words. The Pharisee points at the lady and says, hey, she's a sinner, like bad, bad, bad sinner, bad, bad lady, right? The, as you look and kind of read, a lot of people think that she was just a prostitute or, or something, but she was bad, according to the Pharisee who's following all the rules, right? But this lady at some point in her life had encountered the true love of Jesus, and he forgave her sins. Think about a time that you've done something in your life. I know everyone's perfect, but I'll give you an illustration of my life. Here's an illustration of my life. I, I, my, one of my first jobs, I think I was 15 or so, I worked at Ben's Gas House in Ordway, Colorado. It's like one of the only stores we had, so I was excited to be a, a, a grease monkey. Like you'd pull your car up and, I, and I'd run out. This is full service days, right? I'd run out and I'd like clean your windshield off and open the, the, the hood and check your oil and just kind of act like I was doing stuff but not really doing anything. And I'd, I'd fill up your car, and I was like the grease monkey. And occasionally, the owner would trust me so much that, that he would say, hey, Aaron, pull that truck out of the garage. We're done working on it or, or something, right? And so this one day, this big, huge truck, this farmer truck. Have you ever seen them? The big farmer trucks, four-wheel drive, dirty, never clean, big car, you know, a cow cattle thing on the front of there. What's that called? Cattle guard, whatever it's called, on the front. Like, big old truck. You got, you got the picture, right? He goes, hey, Aaron, pull that truck out. I'm so excited. I've never driven one of these. So I jump in, and it's in the garage. So you know how the garage, you have those things that lift the truck up, all that stuff? They had lowered it down. It's in the garage, and it's just it's in a small garage, you know, smaller than this. And, and so I go to start it, but this is before I had actually learned what a clutch was. And so back in the days when you start a truck, um, and, and you didn't push in the clutch, it would actually try to go, and it, it would go forward. And so I started the truck without pushing in the clutch because I didn't know what a clutch was, and the whole truck just jumped forward like four or five feet and smashed into the wall right in front of where the truck was parked. Like, boom! The whole building shakes. The sheetrock is all messed up. I'm like, uh-oh, you know? And, and finally, I jumped out. I'm like, I don't know how to drive a clutch. He's like, okay, you should have told me that before. I mean, this is, this is big. And you know, he's like, okay, Aaron, I'll let this one slide. You're good. No, no big deal. And then like a week later, this, another farmer comes in, and he's so mad. He's just, he's so mad. And, 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 and the boss is in there talking forever, and I'm like, ooh, stinks to be him, the boss. And, you know, and, they're fighting all this stuff. Finally, the farmer goes away, and the boss calls me into the office. He's like, hey, Aaron, listen, I don't know that it's going to work out for you here. I'm like, what's up? He goes, yeah, this guy, he changed his tires last week. I'm like, yeah, I remember that. You put them on? I'm like, yeah, I remember that. He said, you forgot to tighten the bolts. And so he was driving down the road, and one of the bolts completely sheared off, and the tire went out in the field, and he almost wrecked, and now we have to pay for all this repair. He goes, why don't you just stay at the pump? Like, just stay there. Don't do anything with cars. And I felt so bad. Have you ever done something where you just feel so bad? I was like, I, I have such a great debt to pay you because that's a lot of money, and I don't make a lot of money, that I felt just incredibly bad. But he even said, it's okay, Aaron. We all learn. We all learn. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to let you drive any more trucks or work on any trucks, but it's okay. Don't worry about it. And I, again, was left kind of speechless. 
Have you ever done something where you deserve to just get slapped, to get punched, to get whatever? This lady, this prostitute, this, this woman right here was given such a great, she was forgiven such a great debt that she was a loss at words. This woman's life had been changed. And once she, her life had been changed, she realized that she, I don't know, felt like she owed Jesus something. She realized that she had a great humiliation for her sin and that she didn't know how else to show her affection to Jesus except to show up in this place and to offer who she was and what she could do. Have you ever been forgiven such a great debt that you don't know what to do and you don't know how to express it? As we look, I want to jump all the way down to verse 47. And honestly, we're almost done here. Go to verse 47. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. She loved much. think what's really kind of cool about those two words, just loved much, is it wasn't, it wasn't what caused her sins to be forgiven, her loving so much, but it was her response for those sins being forgiven. The reason she was able to love so much is that Jesus had swooped into her life, forgiven all her sins and loved her, and that caused her the ability to love so much. Follow on right there. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. What happened right here when Jesus said this? In essence, Jesus said, listen, I came because you're boring and I want to spice up your life and throw some rolls around and loosen you up a little bit, show you some love, invite you into a cool relationship. And as I show up, you properly sit me down. This is nice and pretty, great party, blah food. This lady shows up. You know that great sinner she shows up? Well, you didn't even kiss me. She hasn't been able to stop kissing me since the time she showed up. You didn't even pour water on my feet, give me water. That's kind of proper. You probably should have done that. But she has poured an ointment on my feet that cost her probably a year's worth of wages. Listen. And Jesus holds up the mic. He says, she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little as he's looking in the Pharisee's eye and he holds the mic up and he drops it and walks off the stage. He said, boom, take that. She loves me because she realizes how much I love her and how much I have forgiven her. But you, you're so proud. You followed all the rules. You've done everything perfectly and you think you don't need me. You don't understand how much I love you. (laughs) Jesus finds this horrible, extravagant giver because she's pouring out all this ointment and everything. And he says to her, it's not about what you've done or even what you're doing right now. It's about having a relationship with me. So in this little passage that we read right now, I'm giving you 
just brief little highlights here. In this little passage that we have, we have the Pharisee law-abiding guy that does everything right, and Jesus says it's not about that, it's about loving me. And then we have the woman, the sinner, the extravagant one, the one that's been forgiven, and he goes, it's not about what you've done or even what you're doing, it's about having a love relationship with me. We have two completely opposite people here, and, and we see one woman who's been forgiven everything, chasing after him. I don't think I need to play with this anymore. I think I'm actually done, done talking. I think this is the moment where you get to kind of encounter this text. You get to decide what this means in your life. I invite you, if, if you'd like, you can close your Bibles. You can, you can just let this sink in for a little bit. It's simple, right? Maybe we've heard this before. Maybe we've had these very same thoughts all before. I want to ask you a couple questions. Are you a Pharisee or are you the woman? Which one are you today? I'm going to give us a moment here just to really think about what God could be showing us and what he could be teaching us in this moment. So I'd invite you to just close your eyes and let God speak to you in, in this moment. If you would like to hold out your hands and just say, God, in, in this place right now, would you please speak to me? Would you show me who you are? And I'm going to ask a couple questions. One, when, when we were talking about the Pharisee part and, and all that, it was kind of, it might have been getting you a little bit. Am I trying to present myself worthy to God? Like, am I following all the rules exactly like I think I'm supposed to and reading my Bible 16 times a day, but all along I'm missing a relationship with God? Is that you? Is that you today? Are you trying to prove yourself worthy to someone, to yourself maybe? Yeah, I go to church, so I must be a good person, okay? I even call myself a Christian, really? Okay, I think there's a lot of people today that call themselves Christians, but they don't have a relationship with God. They may go to church every week. They may tithe. They may even be pastors. Are you trying to prove yourself to God? Or are you just extravagantly walking in a relationship with Him? Some of us, we've been cleaning our house for years. We are following all the rules. And Jesus is saying, it's time to throw some rolls around. It's time to loosen this up. It's time to experience life a little bit. It's time to party a little bit. Just walk with me. That's all I want to do. I just want to walk with you and have fun with you. If you are, are a person that finds yourself today just saying, yeah, man, I am so, so tight, so uptight about this relationship with God. It stresses me out. I want to give you permission today, just with your hands out, just give that uptightness to God. Just say, God, here, I want to, I want to just, can I just be with you? Here. And the part that really got me in this little story, maybe got you in the same way it did me, but... Have you come to realize your great need on God? Your debt is forgiven. The Pharisee thought he had just a little debt. 
woman knew she had a tremendous debt. That either way, both person, their debts were forgiven. So whether you say you have, oh, just a small debt, I'm a good person, or you say, man, I am a huge, I am so in debt, I have sinned, I've gone against God so much that I have an enormous debt. Whether you say you have a little debt or a lot of debt, Jesus is still there saying, it's, it's, it's about me. Can you give me this debt? And I've forgiven it. And once we begin to grasp how much Jesus loves us and how much debt he's forgiven, does it bring tears to your eyes? Can you picture yourself so in love and so um, humbled by the love of God that when he walks in, you just you cry on his feet, you wipe him off with, his, with your hair, and you just kiss his feet saying, God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for forgiving my great debt, for loving me. Thank you, thank you. Ask God to fill you with that love today. how this lady was, this woman was flamboyant in her expression of love to him. I think a lot of us, myself included, we realize that God has forgiven a great debt and we're in love with God. But man, there's no way we would embarrass ourselves like that. We take this, this great gift that God's given us and we hide it. We don't let our light shine. We don't, we don't tell people at work about God. We, we go around and we're just kind of like secret Christian agents that, man, we're celebrating a party inside that, that God loves us. But, man, we're too embarrassed to be so flamboyant. We're too embarrassed to be bold enough to ask people to come to church project. We're too embarrassed to tell people about the love of God. And if, if that's you because that's me, then why? Why are we that way? Ask God in this moment right now to give you such a burden for people that are in pain and apart from God that you can't help but be flamboyant in your faith. You can't help but invite your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers to come to house church with you, to come to church project, to read the Bible with you, to, to just be around you. Ask God to fill you with that flamboyant, extravagant, unembarrassed action. We also see this lady and she gives all that she has. She used her gifts and abilities to worship God. We're all gifted so many different ways, so many talents, so many likes, interests. And I ask this question, are you using what God has given you to show others the love of Christ? Some of us, it's time to, to get off the sidelines and get in the game. Start serving God. Are you a person that your gifting is service and doing? Well, even here, show up early, set up chairs, do whatever you can. We are a body moving together. Let's begin to move together with what we have. We can give what God has given us to worship Him. Church, this is not about us. It's about telling this great love story to the world around us and to watch people's sins forgiven, to watch them fall in love with our maker. And it starts with us.
how is your relationship with God today? I want to invite us now just to go into a time of, of just worshiping God. We'll give you a couple opportunities to do that. One is we have communion in the back. For some of us, it'll be going and taking a piece of bread and dipping it in the grape juice and just celebrating what Christ has done on the cross for us, the forgiveness of our sins. Thanking God for that moment. For some of us, it's, it's standing up and worshiping, singing to God. Some of us, Danny's up front. He would love to pray with you. We need to pray with someone in this place. This is where, if you would, the rubber meets the road. How do you respond to this text today? How do you respond to the Holy Spirit in your life and what he's doing with you? You could leave out of this door today just full of joy. Or you can leave the same way that you came in, just still a little confused. It's kind of up to you how you respond in this moment. But I pray that you make it a very, very real response. If you would, let's all stand, just hold our hands out. Just say, God, in this moment, I give you my life. Please help it be real. Let me walk through this with you. Thank you for forgiving me of my debt. God, let me be be flamboyant in my worship to you. Thank you for your love for me.